Hello and welcome to the Sandro Forte podcast. Over the many years I've been running a business, I've met many, many successful people, entrepreneurs, sports stars, celebrities, and dare I say, even royalty. So what makes a person successful? Do we know what success is? And the all important question, can we create success for ourselves? This podcast series invites a diverse group of people to share their insights, their wisdom and the things they've learned along the way. Simon Lester is the CEO and chairman of Lester Hotels, offering an extensive global management service. Simon founded the business in 1999 with a vision of focusing on the guests rather than on the customers, with the objective of offering the best possible service for everyone that stays at their hotels. His portfolio of hotels ranges from service hotels in London to boutique spa hotels with fine dining in Wales. He utilises his wealth of experience by helping other hotel investors, managers and developers create and provide the best hotel experience possible. Well, it gives me great pleasure and a man we're going to learn an awful lot about today on the Sandro Forte podcast, the wonderful Simon Lester. Simon, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great having you with us. Um, you are a man whose reputation precedes you. Uh, not only are you a very successful entrepreneur in the hotel industry, but you are also, I believe, um, someone who created a very unique group of very talented people. Tell us about that, if you don't mind. Well, just tell us about yourself, first of all, for those who don't know you. So I, I kind of fell into the industry um, when I was... Uh, in my sort of earlier years, probably probably around about 16 years old, when I was just about legal to work in uh, licensed premises. Um, and I just really enjoyed the human interaction. Um, I just enjoyed seeing people having a good time and knowing that I was part of the experience for them in, in giving them a good time. And that extended from literally serving somebody a drink to uh, seeing through a wedding, uh, which was always my greatest joy, was being involved in the best day of somebody's life and I realized then that I wanted to be in an industry which allowed me to develop those experiences and those skills but I was also fascinated to the the property industry I came from a family where you know bricks and mortar was could never go wrong and and in the earlier years you could never go wrong and so I thought you know how do you combine you know, what I really enjoy but also in the property world and of course hospitality and hotel management and ownership was a natural progression from there and I worked in, the, in a small family business for a while and then it became very clear that I needed to go on my own. And um, it all began in 1999. And what were the reasons why you decided to go on your own? Is it, a lot of people, Simon, as you know, it's about you know controlling your own destiny, others about determining mm. how much you're worth. Were there any particular reasons why you transitioned from the, OK, I need to break away from the payroll to taking all those risks myself? I'd like... I'd like to say that it was all part of a very carefully worked out plan, um, but I would be lying. It was really opportunist at the time. Uh, the directors wanted uh, were reaching retirement age. The market was going into recession. They felt it was a good time to get out. Um, never having experienced a real recession of my own, I thought this must be a great time to get in. Uh, and actually it was because if you buy in at the bottom of the market, although we didn't know it was the bottom of the market at the time, um, you can only go one way. And of course, in those days, banking relationships were very different. So I was the group operations director in a hotel company at the time. 
and uh, I was the one who kind of ran the hotels on a day-to-day basis. And so I had a good relationship with the bank. And when the time came, the bank backed me to the tune of 100%, which of course would never happen mm-hmm. in today's world. Um, but uh, they did. And I still have a great relationship with the bank manager today. He retired from the bank and he joined our board um, to help us uh, in our growth. So uh, the relationship I had with my bank manager all those years ago um, is still thriving today. Wow. And what, what advice, Simon, would, I mean, no one is better positioned than you for reasons we'll come on to understand in terms of some of the other things you do because what what I love about what you've achieved is you haven't just done it for yourself you've now taken a lot of your experience and you now kind of mentor and help lots of other people but we'll talk about that in a second what advice would you give to somebody looking to start their own business because I know loads of people who've got great idea but they just there's this inertia caused by fear or uh, some other concern about a potential outcome and they don't quite ever get going I think It's easy to say it now looking back. I think at the time looking forward, as an entrepreneur, you live on the seat of your pants. Um, Everything is opportunist. You're you're constantly looking at how you're going to grow, how you're going to get the sale, how you're going to expand, how you're going to grow your team. But looking back, what I realised that I did was I started with the end in mind. And actually... I read Stephen Covey's book many years later, The Seven Habits, and I was delighted to see that one of the seven habits uh, was always start with the end in mind. And I thought, you know what, that is exactly what I do. I kind of work out where I want to get to, and then I work back to where I am and building the steps. And uh, and for me, that was all about picking the right team. I remember going to see a very successful businessman um, as part of my own personal development many years ago. And I went into his room, into his office, and I said to him, oh, is this not your office? Because it was like a, like a hot desking office. There was no paper. There was no nothing. And he said, no, this is my office. And I said, but there's, no, there's nothing here. There's no paper here. Do you not work in here? I mean, what goes on? And he said, uh, he said Simon, the minute something comes onto my desk, my first thought is, who can I hand this to? <laughs> And I, that, really, really, that really resonated with me. And I just, I went out and I realised that I didn't have the right team in place that I could hand everything to. This guy was growing businesses at a rate of knots. And he was able to do that because he could focus on the growing of the business, not the running of the business. And it was from there, really, that I went away and built my team, many of whom are still with me 20 years later. Mm. And... Uh, And I'm very proud of that fact, actually, that uh, many of my senior team were with me in 1999. And so I I picked the team and uh, we were able to grow from there. So really it was two things. It was starting with the end in mind and then it was about picking the right team. And how do you expand then? You know, what has obviously become a very successful business, but you're global now. So how do you turn a, let's call it domestic business, into something that is much bigger than that? Well, I can't say we're truly global unless you include, uh, I mean, we used to say we're international because we had hotels in Scotland and Wales and and England and Ireland. Um, The way things are going, that's uh, international, isn't it? uh, And now Gibraltar. So I guess we are international, but I think probably global is a bit flattering. Um, But um, how do do we expand from there? You know, when you're growing a business, it's all about having, for us anyway, in hospitality, uh, replicatable systems and procedures. And once you've got those systems working, somebody once said, to me, what's your job as an MD? And I said, really, I've got three functions, system, balance, check. That's really my job in a nutshell. Make sure, Put the systems in, make sure they're working and just check them every now and again. And 
really that's how we grow as a, as a, as a management company. Um, when we take over a hotel, we have a series of internal systems and procedures um, that are stress tested to the nth degree and we put them in and they work and then we check them. And that's really the secret of our growth um, has always been about having good internal practices and procedures and systems and processes and then getting people to buy into those. I'm particularly interested in the comment you made about how proud you are of the fact you've kept so many of your team from those early days. Um, What are the secrets to being a great boss and retaining staff, particularly in a very, very transient industry like hospitality? I mean, that's that's my family background, as you know, Mm. and I see huge turnovers even in the most well-run of businesses, you've done something extraordinary in that respect. So what's think, the secret to being a great I boss? I think it's easy to be a great boss when you've got a great team, and I'm lucky enough to have a great team. But I think also over the years, you know, when my, when my parents went to work, it was a job, and you went to work, you had a job, and you had your life outside of your work. As time's gone on, that's become much more integrated. And now people combine their work I mean, you know you don't have to go to work work comes to you you can be on holiday and be working so work and pleasure and and personal and business life are far more integrated than ever before and what i realized much earlier on was that people didn't come to work just to be paid they came to work to be part of a community but also to receive that level of personal development and support that could help them grow as an individual. And I think a lot of the people who have worked in our businesses have grown as individuals and they've gone on to do wonderful things both in our company and outside of our company. Um, and so I think you know, the secret of, of looking after your people is about giving them the tools and the space and the opportunity to grow. There's a lot of people, you're being very, I think you're being very modest. I'm sure you are um, highlighting the fact you've got a great team and there's obvious reasons for that. I'm sure they're terrific. But I know for a fact that you were also uh, a terrific guy in lots of ways. There are lots of people who look up to you. What are the personal characteristics, if you can just step out of your your modesty for a moment, hmm. what are the personal characteristics that you have, Simon, that have been the key to your success? So I think maybe some of the characteristics I've inherited from my father, he always had a genuine interest in other people. He still does. He's 85 this year and he still has a genuine interest in other people. And I think I've inherited that from him insofar as I will always take the time when I go to our hotels to meet the staff, to talk to them, to hear about their their personal stories and their experiences. And... I think the relationship that we develop with our people goes way beyond work. And if we can support our our people um, and make them feel really part of the community, then maybe that's a little secret. I don't know. But when you when you look at the, the surveys every year um, around staff and you see why people leave a job, uh, money's never got higher than three. And I always remember that one and two were always free to give. You know, it was kind of a, a, a crossbreed between recognition, respect, appreciation. All of those things are always above uh, money and they're free. Yeah. So, you know, maybe that's just the way I've been brought up. And maybe there, there are good commercial reasons too. But whatever it is, um, I think it costs nothing to show respect, be respectful and to just genuinely care about people and be interested in them. You can't be in a people business uh, and not care about your own staff. Mm. 
And bear in mind you're in a people business uh, and given all that I know about hospitality, the one thing that comes as part of the territory, Simon, and no one is better qualified than you to answer this, uh, to give us the answer to this one. And I don't think I've ever asked anyone this question before. How do you deal with negative feedback, whether it's, I mean, most obviously a guest? And I'm sure that I'm sure they're all delighted with with the, your, your service offering. But from time to time, with the best intentions, you are going to come across people who have got nothing good to say. How do you deal with that? I mean, because that would test my... It's a really interesting question. And I'd like to widen the question, if I may, to the, the concept of negativity. Uh, I don't do well with negativity. Um, I kind of divide people into two categories. They're either zappers and they zap you with energy. Hence, my my coaching business is called Zap. Um, or they sappers. They sap your energy. They drain your blood. Um, and I, I don't do. I don't deal well with people who are sappers. Um, I want people to come to me with a solution, not a problem. Um, and if they just come with a problem, then invariably they are the problem. So um, so negativity uh, around my team is something that I do um, struggle with. But when it comes to negative feedback from our guests, well, you know, they're our, they're our bosses at the end of the day. We are accountable to our guests. Uh, and when they come with negativity, I take it personally. I really do. And uh, I, I will follow through um, a, a guest, any guest dissatisfaction or my team will right to the end uh, until we've turned that person into an advocate. Now, obviously, it's not always possible, but um, we do take it personally and we do... Um, deal with every single negative comment as best we possibly can. I'm I'm also going to ask you a little bit about um, some of your other activities. So you've mentioned Zap. Tell us a little bit more about that and I'm going to ask you about Ace as well. So we'll come on to that one in a second. Well, Ace and Zap are closely related. Um, so I... I joined an organisation called the Academy for Chief Executives uh, at a fairly young age. I was uh, an MD, I was 31 years old. And I remember my accountant saying to me, you know, I've got really good hospitality experience, but I should really broaden my horizons. And uh, the Academy for Chief Executives is a peer group, effectively, where leaders are learning with leaders. And there are three elements to this. There's uh, the monthly meetings where we all come together for um, a monthly meeting. And I was a member for for nearly 10 years um, with my own peer group. Uh, I'm, I'm very close friends with many of them even today. Um, and and during that meeting, half the day we'd listen to an expert speaker and the other half the day we'd have a board session uh, where we'd challenge each other and, and help each other with various business issues and personal issues, I have to say, as well. And then there'd be the, the second element, which was the monthly one-to-one coaching with the chairman. <clears throat> and then the third, is, the third element was the retreats where we'd set our business and personal goals. <clears throat> and whilst I was in that organisation, I started, grew and sold a business. And I took a year out at the end um, to just sort of recover from the experience. And at the end of that year, I came back into the academy and this time I came back as a chairman and I wanted to sort of share my experiences as an academy member and as somebody who started, grown and sold a business. Uh, And I built up my own academy group and then a second academy group, um, working with one group of directors and one group of CEOs. And I've run the Academy for Chief Executives um, for the last 15 years. In fact, I loved it so much, I actually bought the company. Um, We've since sold it again, but I still stayed on um, as a chairman. And... 
uh, th- that's a wonderful business because it changes people's lives. It really does. Um, uh, people say to me, you know, how do you do that? And ultimately, we, we change the way people think. And if we can change the way people think, we can change the way that they feel, which means it changes the way they behave. The way they behave affects the actions they take, and the actions they take affects the results. And the results they achieve affects the way they think. So it's a nice little circle yeah. that closes. And. I've run that organisation as a chairman for 15 years. We've created a number of millionaires. We've solved, we've saved a few marriages along the way. And it's a very rewarding experience. Zap sort of span off from that as uh, the coaching arm, if you like. So people who just wanted to continue coaching um, are, have become coaching clients. Um, and uh, they, they, that comes under the Zap umbrella, if you like. So I get to Zap a few people every month. <laughs> <laughs> rather than sap um god so, forbid yeah so um i'm again i think a question we've probably not asked anyone before uh, but since your cv is is great for this question i'm going to ask it to you um how do you deal with time because you have got three businesses let's call them businesses that are all standalone and successful and there are lots of requests for your time how do you deal with that because that's a challenge for most people you know, time is a gift and it's it's something that, and I guess that's why they call it the present, to coin that phrase. But I think when I moved from being purely in hospitality to working um, in the coaching industry where you effectively sell chunks of time, uh, I started to uh, appreciate the value of time more. In the hospitality industry, it's kind of expected that you just work all the hours that are necessary, which are pretty much all your waking hours. So you don't really value time that much. But if you are um, running multiple businesses, I also have an IT company in Bournemouth, which uh, I chair. Uh, we started that. I started that with one of my uh, old partners with four staff. We've now got 64 staff and in this country and uh, another few programmers in, in India. But we're now the number one in the conference industry uh, for online conference bookings. Um, and so there are a lot of demands on my time. And it's, you have to live your life in segments um, and you have to be organised. I'm very lucky I've got an amazing PA who maximises my time uh, and every minute is accounted for. But you appreciate the value of time more so when you're selling it in chunks and when you're just working in hospitality. Mm. And on the subject of hospitality, would would you would you go into the hotel industry if you had your time again? Oh yes, it's a fabulous industry. It? It's really rewarding. Um, it's very enjoyable. I think it's a much tougher industry to make uh, the returns that we used to make years gone by. But it's a wonderfully rewarding industry. It's given me a lot. And uh, it's now great to be able to give some things back as well. I'm a patron of a Springboard, which is a charity that helps people mm. get into hospitality. Uh, and that's a thoroughly rewarding experience as well. And given you know all your experiences to date, uh, is there anyone in your line of work, in your profession, your industry, or generally that you admire? Because I'm going to come on to ask you in a minute. I'm, I'm very interested to develop the point you made earlier about um the the sapper zapper point because i'm 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 wanting to know what other human traits do you like or dislike in people are there any mantras is is there something you live by in terms of uh key personality or characteristics that you think people should possess to be successful in life 
Goodness, there's a, there's a whole series of questions there. I think that um, and when I entered the world of personal development, you realize very quickly that you're not, your, person, your own personal development continues as well. So I realized that um, every day I learn something new. Every single day I learn something new. And if that's a mantra, I don't know. But every day I learn something new. And I used to think about what do I what do I do in my day? I don't think about it in the context of what do I do anymore. I think about it in the context of what have I achieved. And that has really changed the way I work because I always remember listening to an interview, I think it was with Steve Redgrave. And Steve Redgrave used to get lots of people come up to him and say, oh, I can do this and I can do that for you and I can help you with this and I can help you with that. And he had one stock answer. He said, does it make the boat go faster? And that was all he was really interested in. And I kind of took away from that that it doesn't actually matter what you do in your day. It only matters what you achieve. And at the end of my day, I do actually make sort of kind of a mental note. What did I achieve today? Did I move a step further forward towards my goal? Did I move away from my goal? Um, I've just been for a really nice lunch. I think I moved away from one of my personal goals. <laughs> um, but... Um, you know that that really for me is a big thing at the end of my day I do think what have I achieved and did that take me closer towards the goals that I set myself um, for this year and for somebody who's achieved so much Simon you know as do you have any aspirations to grow your empire do something completely different more of the same what does the next sort of 10 years look like well first I would take uh, to task your comment for someone who's achieved so much because I don't feel that I don't wake up each day. I wake up each day and feel how, think how lucky I am. I've got an amazing wife. I've got amazing kids. Um, we Both my wife and I have our parents around us. Um, and uh, I, I wake up and I, I look out into a nice garden and, and I think, how lucky am I? But I never think, you know, how, you know, what have I achieved? I just think I'm on a journey. So I never, ever wake up and think I've achieved anything particular because I think if I felt that I'd then I'd lose my mojo I'd lose my drive to keep going so I never really feel that I've achieved anything I know a lot of people who've achieved a lot more than I have I'm sure there are people who may not have achieved as much but I never kind of bench myself benchmark myself in that way I just think I've got a journey uh, I've got a mission I know where I want to get to and I never quite seem to get there. It always seems to, the, the goalposts always seem to move just when you think you're getting close. Um, you just you just set some more stretching goals. So I kind of never see it as that I've achieved very much. I just see that I'm on a journey and I want to enjoy that journey because I don't know when my time will be up. Mm. And we all know terrible stories of people who've been on a journey and it's been tragically cut short. And I just don't want to live a life of regret. And if my journey should end tomorrow, I want to know that I've I've enjoyed every minute of it. Mm. Well, that's you being modest again, based on everything you've just said, because you are very successful and there's lots of people who'd love to step into your shoes. But um, what would you say is the greatest lesson that you've learned in life so far, given all of your experience? We, we do come on to ask our guests on this on this podcast, Simon, you, you may know this, that, uh, and I guess maybe now is the right time to ask you it, actually. Um, slightly out of sequence, but I think it, it flows from what you You've just said if you were having a conversation with a younger version of yourself right now with all of your experience in life and business what single piece of advice would you give if you could kind of encapsulate all the things that you stand for and believe in uh, by way of a couple of words of wisdom 
Okay, you asked me two questions there. The first one, which was, um, what would I value most? Uh, and that for me is an easy one. The thing I value most is relationships. And I invest time in all of the relationships that I have. Um, that's a really easy question. And it's something that also gives you the greatest return. Um, my kids might disagree with that. They might think I could have probably invested a bit more time when they were younger, certainly, and that's probably true. But genuinely, relationships are the single most important thing to me, and I invest time in all of them. Very often, I'll drive rather than take the train. Probably not very green of me, but it means I've got two or three hours of phoning time where I can just call people. How's it going? What's happening in your world? And maybe that comes from my father taking interest mm. in people. But relationships are definitely the most important thing. The second question you asked me is, what advice would I give to somebody in um, the younger version of myself? Two things, really. The first of all is to really be clear on your vision. I don't think when I was in my early 20s, I was very clear on my vision. I just kind of knew I wanted to be in an industry where I made people happy. And I always knew, and it's proved to be the case, that if um, I made people happy, then my needs would be looked after. And they always have been. Um, but the other thing I would say, and this is where I perhaps didn't um, follow my own advice, is don't listen to the doubters. You know, there are so many people around you who will give you a hundred reasons why you shouldn't do something. And that's what I realise now is fundamentally it's because they wouldn't do it. There's a, there's a lot of people um, in ACE, for example, that mm. come to you for advice. Yeah. Um, I'm probably putting you on the spot a bit, so forgive me if I am. But what is there a kind of a common question? Is there one question that people tend to keep coming to you for? Oh, that's a good question. I think when people first join the academy, the most common question is, do I have, you know, am I going to be all right in that group? Do I have uh, what it takes to sit at that table? I felt the same when I first went. And what you realise is that everybody has the same issues, everybody has the same insecurities, everybody has the same self-doubts uh, at different stages in their life. And that's probably the single most common question. And, and you know, when I first went into my academy group, I realised that all these people in the room who I thought were like so much more successful than me, they all had very similar issues, mostly around people, I have to say. Um, but they dealt with them in different ways because they were from different industries. And that was the beauty of the, the peer group. You can positively cross-contaminate your ideas and, and share best practice. But I think the, 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 the common one is, is that level of insecurity and self-doubt that one has when they put themselves inside a peer group. And of course, you realise very quickly that everybody is the same. Mm. So what's your definition of success then, Simon? Well, somebody once said to me, the definition of wealth is everything you have left when you've lost all your money. <laughs> and I thought that very was a good. great quote. Yeah, that's good. Um, and I can honestly tell you that for me, um, whilst uh, you know I, I love some of the material things in life, as we all do, for me, it has to be the relationships that I have. That is without question the most important thing to me in my life and will always be that. I think we've got a really good insight into what's made you successful. How do we find out? There's going to be a lot of people listening to this. We have very, very many listeners now, I'm pleased to say, across, I think, 42 different countries. So wherever they're listening from, I'm sure they will have this question. How do we find out more about Simon Lester? 
The quickest way is to um, look at the Academy for Chief Executives website, www.chiefexecutive.com. And there's a bit about me on there and the Academy. Uh, you can look at my new brand, City Home, which is our new apart hotel brand. There's a whole blurb on on um, on the management team, and I'll be in there and talking about our new brand that we're launching. Um, Leicester Hotels is still going strong, so there'll be some stuff in there as well. Brilliant. Well, I wish I could talk to you some more because it's been really, really fascinating. Uh, a great insight into a, an extraordinarily successful individual who doesn't even think he is, but uh, the kind of person that most of us can only dream of being. But so many great uh, nuggets and words of wisdom. I could go on talking to you all afternoon, but unfortunately our time is up. So all that remains is for me to say on behalf of lots and lots of listeners, Simon, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. You are me. a very, very busy man, but you've carved out some time for us. So we are very, very grateful. You're very welcome. Thank you. That was the Sandro Forte podcast. And what can I say, an amazing guest today in Simon Lester. There are many more fantastic guests joining me over the coming weeks. So please make sure you subscribe if you want to pick up some more great tips on success. Remember, of course, you can follow us on social media at Sandro's Podcast. That's Sandro's with an S, same on all channels. And we'd love to continue to hear your stories, ideas, anecdotes, challenges, or whatever it is that motivates you. So keep the emails coming. Hello at sandrospodcast.com. And if you can, please leave a review on iTunes so we know what you'd like more of in the future. Until next week and another great guest. Bye for now. Bye for now.